the secret sauce is exactly what makes it amazing and what could potentially make it just a disaster is you have to leave the ego at the door uh, I mean it's not and that takes practice you know it's not about you me or it's really about the work and so you know Dan and I will argue to death about a design direction or the direction of the office or but it's not because this is my idea or this is his idea it's really um, you, you sort of look at what is needed and I think that capacity to just not make it about yourself but make it about the work I think that's the secret sauce Hey, thanks for tuning in This is Getting Personal with Designers My name is Tamir Schuster from Precise and today I'm talking to Amal Andrews and Dan Wood from WorkAC They're partners in life and in business and found their studio almost 20 years ago back in 2003 so much to go through, so let's just dive right into it. Maybe we'll start with the most straightforward question, which is why have you decided to become an architect? Who remembers? <laughs> what is your origin story, Amal Andrews? Um, so, well, I grew up in a family of architects. My father is an architect and a painter. Uh, he was working as an architect in, in Lebanon until the war started and then we moved to Saudi where he was doing a lot of prefabricated housing um, so I grew up you know, in this atmosphere on construction sites and, um, but I swore I would never become an architect until <laughs> you know, uh, and really did not want to follow in his footsteps uh, but I really didn't know what else to do uh, I did one year of economics actually because I took too long to apply to architecture uh, but I love it I, there was nothing you know else I could do really so it was meant meant to be it, it's, it was meant to be and you then so my father also was not an he was not an architect but he thought I should be an architect okay. and when I was in high school I was really into art and drawing and a little bit into math also so he was like you got to be an architect and he took me to meet his friend and go to his friend's office to see what architects did and I got in there and everyone was like sitting at desks and using rulers to draw and I was like I don't need a ruler to draw this is lame so I just said I'm not going to be an architect also to my dad and he was like okay whatever and uh, but then Years later in college, or four years later, I was in Tokyo and met a young Japanese, uh, he, he was not Japanese, he was Australian uh, architect who was studying Japanese architecture, he needed some help, and I had a lot of free time, so I went and met all these architects and saw all these amazing buildings, and at a certain point I realized, like, oh, architecture is not just drawing with rulers, it's about ideas and about the city and about experimentation and I, I finally saw the kind of more interesting side of architecture and switched my major and went to graduate school. It's a beautiful mistake for both of you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. definitely. Okay, all right, I'll start with you, Amal. Um, you mentioned it, you lived in Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, and France, in Canada, and Netherlands, and New York. First of all, which city did you like the most? <laughs> and second of all, we know it's New York, but why have you chose to settle yeah. in New York? Um, well, every city is different and special, and 
difficult in some ways, and so. But it, you know, I feel like in my head there's this kind of collection of places, and I try to uh, dive, you know, kind of dive into memories from one place to another. New York was also a kind of default, though. Um, when we were in the Netherlands working together, uh, right after we had just gotten married. Uh, in September 1st, 2001, September 11 happened, uh, and, you know, Dan and I kind of looked at each other. The, the, we were working for OMA, and all the American projects got canceled, and which was our main focus, uh, and Ram Koolhaas was very, you know, he was, I'm going east, that's it, you know, China is the future, and we kind of weren't ready for that, so we sort of wondered where, you know, where should we go, the Middle East didn't make sense. Uh, Europe, it's tough. You never really become European, you know. Uh, so we decided on the U.S. and actually uh, experimented with Los Angeles for a while because um, we liked the, you know, the open air and the poppiness and the warm I, weather. Warm weather, um, but I, I hate cars, and it just really felt too far from whatever center, psychological center. Uh, we have, and uh, so so New York was a little bit like the generic city, you know. It's the city that <laughs> <laughs> that you know fits everyone, and but of course we love it now, and we you know we love the also in New York is very different. We live in the East Village and work in the Lower East Side, and for us that that was our vision of go east. Um, so and what are you taking from all those places you've been and lived, and actually do you bring it into your projects right now? Definitely, I think, um, but, you know, both of us have a mix of, I mean, Dan spent 10 years in, uh, in Europe and grew up in a kind of very rural, uh, in Rhode Island, very rural Rhode Island. And so I, I think the kind of connection to uh, the sort of inside-outside connection is very present uh, for both of us, while at the same time loving cities. So, you know, how can you take... Mm -hmm. urban density and complexity and culture, but still have access to uh, kind of quote-unquote nature. And, you know, I think this is something that transpires through the work, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. We have a lot of favorite cities, for sure. I mean, Tokyo is a favorite city, but it's not somewhere to live. But it's an amazing city. Yeah, yeah. No, How was the experience for, us, for so. you? Like, you spent some time in Japan, as you mentioned. How was it for you? Uh, I mean, Japan was great. I was there very briefly, but uh, but I just used it as an example of a great city. We lived in Rotterdam for a long time, which no one is going to put on their list of top cities, I don't think. <laughs> but we managed to make it romantic at the end. We got married there. Okay. And so we have fond memories of it, although I would never imagine returning in any well, prolonged time period, but maybe. But, but the... What's, what was interesting in terms of Rotterdam is, and what I think was interested in, interesting in the 90s about that city relative to all the kind of Dutch phenomena and ar yeah. architects that emerge is the idea of, you know, being able to really create a great city yeah. from scratch. And maybe they've done you know. it by now. We don't, we don't know. We left, it was still definitely in transformation. Yeah. But it has... It, so I very mean, willful. So we haven't yeah. been there for 20 years. We went back in 2007. Did <laughs> so, we? Yeah, for the Biennale. Oh, it's true. Yeah. And then that was the last time we were in Rotterdam. We want to take our kids there. 
Yeah. Show them where it all started. All right. There's the uh, winter 2022 trip. <laughs> now they know. You spoil it for them. Okay. Um, do you remember, you mentioned got married in 2001. Do you remember your first project together? The wedding was the that, first That project. was a problem. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was. True. It's, it's true. true. It was actually it was amazing to have it in Rotterdam because no one gets married there. So there like, was no wedding infrastructure. We had to invent everything. Yeah. Our cake maker, whose job it is to make cakes, <laughs> had never Asked you for the recipe. Had never basically. made a wedding cake before. <laughs> she had never made a wedding cake. She's like, "Oh, this is exciting." I was like, "What do you do? How do you make cakes and not make wedding cakes?" Uh, so so it was it, it was I mean it was really it was really designed and we had this huge uh, TV warehouse and kind of people got came through the parking lot on TV the water like we did place where they sell TVs <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, film. it was a power plant yeah. that had been turned into oh. yeah television studios yeah that's true uh, so every you know everything was designed and I think that was our first project. Sure. That's a great first project to have. Yeah. Look at it. Successful project. Yeah. Uh, people still talk about yeah. it. Uh, all our friends are like, man, that was, that was fun. My mother and father-in-law spent uh, 48 hours fire, fireproofing the curtain we had designed. <laughs> your mother and your fiancé. Your really? father was not. You think your father was there? No, your there? father. My father. Oh, my father. Like no, in the parking lot. It was fire- me, Philippe, and, and I do. Um, Two years later, you're establishing your own firm, um, Work AC. Let's talk about the name first. Let's not talk about the name. (laughs) We have to talk about the name. We have to talk about the name. It stands for Without Rem Kohlhaas. (laughs) No, that's what people thought it stood for, Uh, which in a way it did. Uh, But it, I mean, it really... Um, at the time and still today I think we we wanted to articulate and define our let's say position through work through practice not necessarily through theorizing or you know it was really kind of uh, work through ideas small big every single project and kind of build up uh, a position and a a kind of body of work through that Process and by um, not teaching or engaging in academics, <laughs> which <laughs> <That was the, laughs> we got that one wrong. Yeah, we did. So, <laughs> and then we, you know, um, there's a lot of work out there, so you have to add architecture somehow. Um, well, no, it was that work.com was not available, but work.ac was. Right, it's true. So and then I was like, well, that sounds like architecture, architecture company, company, which sounds oh. funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it became. Yeah, so really not exactly very well thought of. That's a very romantic story, I have to say. You Googled and whatever you could find, that was your name of your company. Okay, um, have you had any hesitations at all of like starting your own practice together as a young married couple? Before we did, I hesitated, right? I was nervous about starting. But uh, once you start, you know, it's, uh, the work just comes and it's, I mean, not all the time, as Michelle knows, but... Uh, the beginning is easy. Yeah, the beginning is cool. Everybody loves yeah, it. Everybody loves a young sure. architect. Yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you don't have any overhead. You can 
you know, charge really low fees. Get excited about a bathroom, a doghouse, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it takes. Uh, and we did a lot of that. Um, but I mean, we, I think the fact that we had worked in the same office, even though not on the same projects necessarily, and that that culture of that particular office was incredibly specific in terms of an approach that is uh, not necessarily stylistic, but kind of collaborative and iterative and kind of sort of critical. And, you know, so there was already that foundation in yeah. terms of a process. Um, right. And it's also a network. And we, you know, we weren't really starting our firm on our own. We were part of a generation of architects that all started firms around the same time. And we've yeah, these friendships were very with, important. Yeah. yeah, and people have become amazing architects all over the world. So, you know, I think that also helped. Yeah, but the thing is, if it's not going to work as a couple, you know it within the first week, and then you have to stop. You know, so I think. Uh, so uh, but, talking about the wedding. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that too. So, what's the secret sauce of uh, being partners in life and business? You can't. The secret sauce is exactly what makes it amazing and what could potentially make it just a disaster, is you have to leave the ego at the door. Uh, I mean, it's not... And that takes practice. You know, it's not about you, me, or... It's really about the work. And so, you know, Dan and I will argue to death about a design direction or the direction of the office or... But it's not because this is my idea or this is his idea. It's really, um, you, you sort of look at what is needed. And I think that capacity to just not make it about yourself, but make it about the work, I think that's the secret sauce. And once you get that, then it's amazing because you you don't know what is going to do you agree Happen. with that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, you have no choice. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but that's yeah, that's the secret to being partners in work, I think. And then partners in life is yeah, who knows what that secret is? <laughs> but sometimes the the yeah, the two are all very related. Except if you ask our children, and they say like. Please don't ever talk about work <laughs> with mommy, because <laughs> all you guys do is argue. But we like it. Yeah. And we right. always tell them we're not arguing. We're just talking about work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so work stays in the office. That's what you're saying. No. 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 Oh no. 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 Definitely no. not. But okay. So you keep uh, on working when the kid, they once the kid rather, goes to sleep. I get that. Eh, right. They, you know, no. They just think we're arguing all the time. But we just tell them we're not arguing. No, I mean we're always thinking about the office and about the projects and. It's very fluid. Yeah. Because it's not. It's work and it's not work. It's also a pleasure. I mean, For it's sure. ideas yeah. Yeah. and the, it's building something together. It's. Uh, yeah, and we live in an apartment that we designed. We're designing a house for ourselves. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's can't really get away from it. Right. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, makes perfect sense. Um, you, Amal, describe the work as intersection of urban, the rural, and the, nat- and the natural. Um, we kind of talked about it like five minutes ago, but do you want to expand about it? Sure, I think that... Uh 
these ideas really started to sort of come into focus, um, especially in our first big project, the Public Farm One project, uh, which was this organic farm made out of cardboard tubes. And that project was really sort of cemented our commitment to the urban, to density, to cities, but without wanting, you know, without losing the desire to rethink how cities operate, you know, how do we get our food, how do, you know, the sense of culture and um, um, context that comes up, uh, you know, when you think about the geographies of food. Um, And then the idea that we have to be constructing new natures now. I mean, we we have to sort of uh, uh, imagine uh, what is nature again. And we have to restore it, preserve it, but also create new nature. And so I think for us, these three aspects, we since really kind of bring uh, to most of our projects. Yeah, we had another seminal project called Nature City, where we kind of tried to put all our ideas about cities that combine nature and architecture and infrastructure together into one big project. And um, I mean, we don't really look at it too much anymore or talk about it, but that project, we sometimes we like to think that we're just always designing pieces of that city in disparate places around the around the world that combine, yeah, that make these combinations in different ways at different scales. Okay. Um, now we know the nature of your company's name and it's because uh, the domain was open. So if I'm <laughs> going to go to your website... Ignoring all of Abal's <laughs> other explanations for the name. Um, <laughs> if we're going to go to your website, what do you think is one of the projects that really... Um, kind of transparent. Well, talking about the ideas. website is worse than talking about the name because we yeah. need to change it. <laughs> um, what type of pro- not type? What what? You mentioned a couple of projects, but which one of those projects really you know kind of sends the message? This is work AC. This is what we do. Look at this one. <laughs> which one? I mean, right now for. Um, it's always a more recent project. Yeah, it's always a more recent what project. What is work Yeah. Right now, for me, I would say, I don't know if Dan agrees, but the Beirut Museum of Art really is a sort of seminal yeah. project. Yeah, I mean, that is the five-year project. Every five years, we have a seminal project. Yeah, that brings a lot of ideas together. Uh, and, you know, that particular project really sort of engages with um, ideas about modernity in architecture and you know how modernism was expressed and developed in different parts of the world, not just in Europe. Uh, it really has a certain sophistication, I think, in the architectural language. Sort of, it, it both fe- seems historical and contemporary, and um, the inside-outside aspect is really crucial. The connection to the city. Um, and the kind of engagement with the, with the different ideas about what is public, you know, there's just just there's just a lot. Yeah, there, it's also a very mature project. If you, I look at the the list of seminal projects for me would be, although I don't try to think what one of them is, but Villa Pop was our first project, <laughs> the Dog House, still a personal <laughs> favorite. PS One, yeah, in two thousand eight. 
Gabon in mm-hmm. 2012. I would say probably Nature City is yep. the next one, and then Bima. So I think in that trajectory, yeah, Bima yeah. is also a very mature project, a very serious project. Um, they're all serious, but uh, but it is it does I think represent where we want to go. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. It's interesting that you're bringing it up because you know following up on that with another question um, is what is the role of the modern architect these days? And that- by modern, you mean contemporary? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> we wish it was modern yeah. <laughs> that is not a modern architect anymore uh, I, that's a really good question uh, actually it's interesting that you called it modern because I think the modern architect had more uh, at least in the myth you know had more impact or more ambition in terms of social and environmental yeah. uh, uh, sort of engagements and uh, ideas and I mean when you think about the design of the United Nations you know you think about the group of architects and coming together to think about a new world and how to represent it I mean can you imagine what well, can you imagine designing a United Nations now <laughs> like you know which sadly is seems utterly impossible uh, I think the contemporary architect is still trying for us the contemporary architect or the way we would like architecture to be is to find a little bit more of that impact without the arrogance <laughs> you know uh, so uh, and that sort of machismo and megalomania um, but 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 a little bit more of that and colonialism <laughs> a little bit more of that engagement and that's something that I think we have been trying to do in our practice in terms of doing as much public work as we can doing civic work doing libraries you know these are the kinds of projects that really well all projects move us but we're very committed to that dimension of architecture the, the impact that you personally had is not just with the practice you're also the Dean right of, uh, of Columbia Graduate School of Architecture um, so you had a larger impact on you know the next generation um, do we have hope yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of hope yeah definitely uh, I think yeah. definitely I think the students today are you know very Uh, committed and moti- motivated to redefine practice um, and actually I was thinking about this question of you know what is the responsibility of the architect today and uh, it's sort of there's a kind of swinging you know it used to be that academia was all about autonomy and formalism and kind of disengagement and practice was about being in the world certainly in you know the era of OMA uh, and now it's like the opposite you know schools are all about engagement and sort of activism you know and and then in the profession you feel a little bit paralyzed uh, and I think that we need a sort of Venn diagram between these two things to I think rearticulate very precisely whether the kind of responsibilities we are taking now are enough mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I think I do think there's a there's a problem with models though right of of role models and we're in an era where architecture is increasingly performed by corporate right. firms large firms um, and the architect's role is, is really 
relegated to service providing rather than partnership or co-thinker or you know experimenter and I think that is a that's an issue and I think students don't know where to look and um, it intersects with this idea of you know what is what it is to work in the world and they see these corporate firms where the pay is very good the work hours are very low uh, and they seem to be doing all the projects, all the good projects, you know, and that seems very attractive. But then I think, you know, there's something not rewarding about that work. And so I, I don't know. I think that that is probably causing a, causing some kind of issue in the profession. How do you balance or how did you used to balance between talking to your clients and talking to your students? Is it different or is it actually kind of the same? We, we really, that was a very, um, I would say, that strategic, a, common, yeah. a, a very intentional position that we took to try to speak to everyone in the same way. Uh, you know, there were these, uh, actually Liz Diller had a really great TED, TED talk where she, I think, presented like the, you know, how she would speak to clients, how she speaks to architects, how she, you know, to, and for us, from the start, we thought we should speak the same language. Everybody should be brought in to. Uh, and so part of it is making, you know, the architectural process more accessible and clear and, you know, being able to be communicated. And the other part is not to, uh, to also bring to students a, a sort of level of realism yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that I think is also important and to be able to debate those ideas and to be both idealistic and pragmatic and you know sort not of just show them in the academia but really show them what is it looking outside right and at the same time take the clients along into the conceptual you know world of of, of the project and you know really take them seriously as a as a partner conceptually as well um and that's yeah i mean i think that's something that rem did too i was always like amazed where he would just kind of go off, you know, about the ideas about a project to, you well, know, a corporate board or whatever. And well, I think most clients in our experience also are interested in architecture or working with architects to be part of that exploration yeah. and to be part of those ideas. I mean, otherwise they could just, you know, uh, that's exciting. And if you, you're kind of rereading them or rereading their brief or their mission or, you know, it's, it's a sort of interesting process and I think it's it's not just about providing a product but a process of discovery that they can be part of and contribute uh, I think that's really really important nice what do you like about having your own practice <laughs> we always feel like a startup <laughs> forever young ah <laughs> oh, dad yeah. how do we grow this thing yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Be the boss. Being the boss. I don't know. We just feel like people who are, who have our own practice. I think, I think of myself as a person who has his own practice. It's 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 hard to know what I like about it or what I well, don't like about it. But I yeah, I like the the ability to say no is really great. I think you know, and and to walk away from things or to engage in things as required. Uh, it's 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 great to kind of know that 
by pushing together, we're able to to really do amazing. You know, it's almost like doing the impossible over and over again. Um, and I think it's also really great to have younger people working for us that then you see go on in their lives and careers and do uh, well. And yeah. Do well, and to like really, you know, I mean. We take our role as educators seriously within the office as well and make sure that we're teaching good habits. Maybe not good financial habits, though. <laughs> we're working on that. <laughs> Thanks to Precise. <laughs> it wasn't script, I promise. Um, and you mentioned your own children and the younger generation. Do you want your own kids to be architects? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> whatever they want. Exactly. I, I think whatever they want. I think... Um, yeah. I don't think it's something we think about so much or we don't want to think about it so much. Or There's definitely an artistic streak. Yeah. Uh, at least with our daughter. Our son, it's not so clear. What? He's really good at stacking things up. And <laughs> putting things in order. He's, he's uh, going to be in the industry, but maybe construction. It's yeah. funny, I think. Yeah. Uh, or an engineer. Or something. Yeah. But he, yeah, I, I don't know. It mm. would be interesting. It wouldn't be surprising if one of them becomes an architect, yeah. given how this works. Um, but So if it's them or you know anyone else here in the office and they want to open their own practice... What would you give them as the first advice? Why don't you stay working for us for a couple more years? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we are uh, very much in touch with alumni from the office, and I have supported a number of them launching and who are doing well. and Teaching, too. Teaching, but also, yeah. uh, you know, I always know, you know, people call them to, for their first contract and how to put yeah. it together and questions... Um, so I think we're very supportive uh, of that and um, yeah it's great it's great to uh, so so we you know the studio is uh, as Dan said you know has a sort of uh, we'll, you know we'll hire someone and they'll grow for a few years and then we're like no don't go <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, you know but you also support it Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the advice, what the, I mean, what I always tell people is that, uh, you know, you have to do, especially if you're someone who is unsure whether they want to start a firm or not, because they don't know if they're going to get enough work or they don't know how they're going to support themselves or their family. And I just always tell them that you never know until you start. And once you start, the work will come for sure, because everybody loves a young architect. So... <laughs> Everybody knows they can take advantage of a young architect. <laughs> But you have no overhead, so it's, it's easy to be taken advantage of. So, I, yeah, I, I tell people to go for it. I mean, we are not the kind of architects who try to dissuade people from being architects or starting their own firm. No, it's, I mean, it's just such an amazing adventure. Yeah. Uh, and there's very few professions where you get most people... You know, I mean, there's the possibility of getting better and continuing to grow as you practice. I don't yeah. think that's uh, necessarily the case with everything. Um, so Yeah, you know. and there's diversity. I mean, I think even if you're just doing houses, there's an incredible diversity. And I think that is one of the great things about being at the leadership of a firm is the ability to move from project to project 
quickly, you know, almost on a daily basis. And to, you know, be in Beirut and, you know, a museum in one day and then the next day Colorado. Not, not physically, but, you know, just engaging mentally yeah. in, in, in something else. I think it, it's, there are a lot of opportunities to, to learn as an architect. And, and to learn over such a great period of time, you know, to be in my 50s and late 40s for some of us. Uh, <laughs> And still be considered, you know, at the cusp of a career is, is really exciting, you know. Yeah, that's Imagine cool. Imagine if we were rock stars, we were already <laughs> dead. <laughs> uh, look at Mick Jagger. I have to disagree. Okay. Uh, but you What mentioned... was the last Rolling Stones album <laughs> called? And what were the two favorite songs on it? <laughs> uh, maybe true, but, but he's still rocking it. Um, you mentioned that you worked all over, basically. All over. Is there one particular city or Milieu. in general that you would still like to you know to touch the um, to have to have your own footprints you know on, on a specific city or well we we sort of miss Europe a little bit I think we uh, certainly were trained there and uh, I spent a lot of time in Paris and you know we'd like to reconnect a little bit with Europe we did this nice uh, retrospective exhibition in Bruges which is a you know Belgium is amazing in terms of right now design and architecture and beer uh, <laughs> and beer and uh, it, the exhibition opened on March 6th and closed on March 13th of 2020 so <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I think for me uh, I would say right or London or Europe and and then you know our big uh, the conference Uh, we were designing in Libreville in Gabon was, you know, it would have been amazing to to build and I think there's a lot of really interesting things happening in different parts of um, Africa, Senegal and uh, other places I think. I'd Canada also, even closer. Yeah, yeah so we're, we're you know, anywhere we have, oh, not, okay. uh, <laughs> we have not we have not Uh, um, all right, yeah, there's definitely a lot more cities for you to, <laughs> to go visit and work. Yeah. Um, Did we mention Lexington, Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> um, you actually mentioned March 2020. So let's talk about that. Um, kind of the elephant in the room, COVID, if it's in the rearview mirror or not, we don't know. Um, how is it going to change the architectural world, in your opinion? That's a tough question. I think the, that question is particularly appropriate for commercial projects, and which we love thinking about work and how people work and the office. Um, and that is, it's just, I was just listening to the radio, an article about, you know, how it's still very unclear what, what happens to the office and people working in the office. I think for architects, we came back fully quite a while ago. Yeah, but it was the right thing to do, right? I mean, I don't wish we were still... Oh, oh you mean to be back in, in that, person? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's no question for yeah. us. But um, well, I think the... So, so I think Dan's 
referencing you know the type of work and the kind of yeah. holes there are although I, I do think commercial is going to come back or it is already but it'll be, and it'll be fun I mean maybe yeah. maybe there is some kind of version of hybrid that works but I think in terms of the, the practice um, what we saw and it maybe is similar in other you know COVID kind of right people say it accelerated things that were already happening you know there was a sort of thing the big firms got bigger and it's very hard for the small firms. It's, it's always the middle that gets eradicated, you know, uh, and I think that's a shame. Um, so I think that's the worry, is how do you make sure that the next generation is able to launch yeah. practices and, you know, how do you make sure that it's still creative, that you can survive, that you don't have to always become this massive scale, especially in the U.S., to uh, be able to, you know, have a profitable sort of sustainable model it's very difficult I think to design a sustainable creative model in architecture today in the US and I think COVID made that more difficult in in my view Hmm. I mean I don't know like everybody's working though 95% of the jobs that were lost are back yeah but it's it's don't you remember this period where, like, it was like people we were hearing our friends who have larger firms yeah. were like, I, I can't keep up. They were hiring left and right, right. and we were like, <laughs> I think we were the only ones, though. <laughs> yes, maybe. Let, let us not generalize. <laughs> um, if, we'll fall, if we'll fast forward 25 years from now and we'll be a bit optimistic. Yes. Um, That's the CA phase. Uh, never, yeah, yeah, yeah. never optimistic in CA. No. What, what, what is it going to look like 25 years from now? Oof. Hey, we're here for the tough questions. Yeah. I mean, we... I'm what? not optimistic, but Sudan, go ahead. <laughs> You're not? Are you? I don't know. We've been practicing an architecture for more than 25 years. Has it changed that much? I think the consequences of climate change are going to be... So let's look at climate change as a just brutal condition, uh, climate crisis. Um, I, for me, I think the profession hasn't yet really... Uh, transform itself to right and that's because the clients haven't and that's because the economy hasn't and that's because I agree but I but I think as I agree but I think it let's be optimistic let's imagine that architects as a group could do more to you know as a sort of institution you know uh, put pressure in one way or another I mean you were engaged in the AIA writing statements and students are asking yeah uh, you know the profession to mobilize on social issues, on issue, environmental issues, and I, I think that's not going to go away. Um, and so my hope is that it doesn't go away, and that we find a way to uh, push for change uh, through our profession and our practice and our work. Um, that's you know, right? Yeah. In the thirty years, the architect profession has become less male but not much else right right there are more women in architecture that's one thing we can say but that's about all we can say for the diversity of the profession so it would be nice in 30 years sure if the profession looks different and the the 
the gentleman architect officially is retired. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, and that's a big hope. So let's hope for both the yeah. transformation of the people and the transformation of the impact, I think. We'll finish on an optimistic note. Yes. So we're going to leave it like that. But we're still going to have to tackle it with some personal question. Um, with our lightning round. So what's the first thing that you're going to do when you wake up in the morning? Tomorrow morning? Yes. Uh, tomorrow, I don't know if, to, if tomorrow counts because it's Saturday, but... <laughs> I'm just dreaming of tomorrow morning because it's Saturday. <laughs> we wake up every morning at either 4.50 for me Dan or 5 a.m. <laughs> I'm like, can you not just make it 5? Like, why the 10 minutes? Ah, the 10 minutes is great. Because <laughs> the snooze is 9 minutes. So in the worst case scenario where you snooze the entire snooze, you still have one minute before 5 a.m. Oh, yes. Uh, it's I adore you. I'm struggling with 6 a.m. So when we wake up, we exercise. That's what we do. That's why we wake up at five. And yeah. Then we take. Then we get the kids to school, and then we get the dog to the office, and then we start work. Yeah. That awesome. is our morning every morning except Saturdays and Sundays. Okay. Awesome exercise. That's. Uh, 5 a.m. Good for you. Guys. <laughs> um, only because that is the only option. Yeah, I, I don't to, think it's not to. a matter of choice. And in fact, my one of my great dreams dreams is to go back to the COVID hours where we could wake up at seven and the kids could just go to school in their living rooms. Dan has a very twisted. Yeah, I, I, I see the disagreement. Here. Um, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world besides yourselves, okay, that doesn't count. Would it be alive or dead? You can choose. Saying? You see, we're flexible. Oh, oh really? Oh, uh, I don't know. I would like to have dinner with Corbusier. Really? Oh my God! Horror. Why? Are you serious? He's so oh, fun. I'm sure, he was a monster. <laughs> he was funny. Okay, you have dinner with Corb, and I I'll have. French. You speak French. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I want to have dinner with? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'll have dinner with Charlotte Perron. Okay. There. Yeah, we can have dinner together. No, no. <laughs> Separate tables. Separate tables. <laughs> Maybe different restaurants. Um, I want to hear what she had to say about Corb. Yeah. How's that? I, 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 think, <laughs> I think we know where, where we're landing Where's on Corb? the era, but uh, if you could travel back in time, where would you go? The Obama era. Yeah, I guess that was not so bad. <laughs> it's that not that far good. back. Yeah, not too far back. You don't need a DeLorean for that. Okay. <laughs> well, there were horrors happening, but not here. There That's were. All. There were. I don't think we need to go back too far, but we need to go back. Or, or I don't know, leap forward somehow. Yeah. Just. Uh, okay, so instead of going back, we'll go forward. I do like yeah. the 19th century. I think it would be great to go to that. I, I, I like the 19th century. I mean, not, not, no, the nineteen, the turn of the century, turn right. of the century, in New York. That would be awesome. Mm. Like with the institutions being built, McKinley and White. Look, I could get a job there. <laughs> <laughs> Gentleman architect, you were just retiring yeah, yeah. then. What are you talking about? I know, but uh, I like. But yeah, was, they were doing amazing train stations, post offices. Well, I think what you're so cool. nostalgic yeah. for is the capacity to build, yeah. build. Yeah. Infrastructure and work and, and scale think, and, and yeah, yeah. rethink and, the collective. And it's very hard to understand why we're not doing that right now, given climate change. Why? Right. This should be the, the turn of the century. Yeah. 
it well. Okay. If then, if you were not an architect, what would you do? <laughs> Promise you, it's the last question. Uh, and this is the lightning question. If I was not an architect, I would write. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. and I, I may yet. I've always been interested in, I guess, psychology or psychoanalysis or the sort of the mind. I think I would go into that direction and I think right now it's fascinating there's so little known yeah. about the brain and so alright it's not too late so. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys it was All great right. um, thank you for listening this time we got personal with Amala Andrews and Dan Wood from Work AC learn more about the studio's work check out their website and social media Stay tuned for future episodes of Getting Personal with Designers. And if you can't wait, check out our previous episodes. I'm sure you're going to love it. Thank you. 